Brother Dan Williams had wonderful lessons last week. And he was telling us how we should talk with our children. But you could do this anywhere, really. You could do this at work. You could do it with your wife. You could do it as a preacher to a congregation. That when you have something tough to talk about, you start out with something good. What do you call it? The hamburger or the sandwich way of doing things, right? You start out with something good, then you fill it with something that maybe is a little tougher, and then you... Ended up with something good, right? I really like these flowers. I think they're beautiful. I think the person, I actually know who did them. I'm not going to embarrass her. But she, most of us all know who did them. Sunflowers are in season right now. I went by a field the other day and there was a field and it had a whole field full of them. And they were seven, eight foot tall. They're in bloom right now. They're beautiful, sunflowers are. So I appreciate that. I appreciate she's she's thinking about us. She's thinking about uh, the season that we're living in, and she tries to make the make the flowers uh, beautiful for us to look at and, and to remind us about what's going on in our world around us. Now, let's talk about church discipline. Our earthly children don't grow up without discipline. Neither should God's spiritual children. We have talked this year about our our faith. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about zeal. We've talked about love. We've talked about victory. We've talked about trust. We've talked about strength. We've talked about facing our fears. And we've talked about God's grace. And I enjoy talking about these positive topics. These are positive topics that we've talked about this year. I enjoy being positive. I enjoy building you up. I enjoy talking about fellowship and acceptance and the blessings that we have in Christ. We've talked about that this year's way. And we've talked about all these things. And you know what? We talk about all these things when we talk about church discipline. We do. You can make church discipline a downer. You can make this the most, the most awful sermon you've ever heard. You can make this the hardest sermon you've ever listened to. Or you can use the instruction to, to build you up, you and, and your family. The choice is, is up to you this evening. Discipline, if you really... Think about it. It's one of the most loving acts that you can be a part of if it's done correctly. Discipline has everything to do with love. To begin with, we should love the church. And all of the fellowship that we have in Jesus Christ should be protected. When the Israelites traveled, they arranged their camp in such a way that the, that the whole group was protected. Inside the camp, one was fairly safe. Outside the camp, that was a different matter. Those crossways with the law of Moses took their lives into their own hands. 
Numbers chapter 15 verse 37. If you worked on the Sabbath, you were stoned outside the camp. Leviticus 24, Shelameth's son blasphemed the Lord and was stoned outside the camp. Leviticus chapter 10 verse 4, Nahab and Abihu could not be touched after they offered strange fire and men were told to drag them by their coats outside the camp. The unclean, the lepers, Numbers chapter 5 verse 3, were taken outside the camp. Even the sin offering, Exodus chapter 29 verse 14, was taken and burned outside the camp. Notice the focus. Get the unclean things, the sinful things, outside the camp as quick as possible before it tainted the society as a whole. God cannot have sin in His presence. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2. Jimmy Jividen said in his book Koinea, the neglect of discipline in the church is in reality a neglect of fellowship. Church, it's time we did what the Bible said. And if there's sin in the camp, we got to get it out. We must protect the church. She's the bride of Christ. What man of you wouldn't grab the baseball bat or if you've got pistols, wouldn't grab the pistol and defend your wife when the robber came in tonight? We've got to protect. It's our job. Part of our job. Brother Gibbeton said again, it is a shallow and misguided love which prefers to let a brother go to hell rather than correct his wrong. Shallow and misguided. Indeed. What is church discipline? What is discipline in the church? Well, discipline in the church is, is well, in its basic sense, what I'm doing right now. It's, it's instructing. That's, that's its most used form. Instruction. But sometimes church discipline, sometimes discipline in the church, the the most harsh act, if you will, withdrawal of fellowship must be done. There's plenty of authority in the New Testament for us to be involved in discipline. Matthew chapter 18, Romans chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. Thessalonians chapter 3, Titus chapter 3 are all, and there's others, they're all passages, New Testament passages, that give us as individual Christians and the church authority to discipline someone within our family. We are told in these passages how to deal with the, with the unrepentant, the unruly. We are told in these passages how to deal with the unchristlike, the immoral. We are commanded... 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, to withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6. Commanded. 
The disorderly are the divisive. The disorderly are the, are the, the factious. The cliquish even. How does this process, and that's what it is, it's a process. How does this process work? Gone are the days of stoning. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I'd have been stoned already, wouldn't you? Gone are the days of stoning. We are under a new and better law that looks out for the hurtful as well as the hurt. As well as the church as a whole. It looks out for everyone because the one in back of it is God. Not me and not you. God's in back of it. God is love. We will begin with the teachings of Jesus. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. But to begin church discipline when warranted... To begin church discipline when warranted is a must. So to begin is the beginning. That may seem like circle logic, but it's not. To begin, to actually just begin is the beginning of church discipline. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. How unloving it is, though, to see your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter mother or your father overcome by sin and do nothing how unloving that is to say nothing to instruct to build up, to admonish in no way turn your Bibles to Matthew 18 verse 15 church discipline could begin for a number of different reasons but the reasons would all boil down. Verse 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell it to him. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. One around you has sinned. They've sinned against you. It's assumed that you have a, an in-Christ relationship, an in-Christ fellowship with this person because one cannot withdraw fellowship from someone who is not in the family. You can't withdraw fellowship from someone who you've had no fellowship to begin with. Someone has sinned against you personally or even they've sinned against the church you are a member of. It, it makes it personal when that happens. This may require that you make a righteous judgment. John chapter 7 verse 24. This act may start as restorative, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. For if you help turn a sinner from the error of his way, you will help save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins, James chapter 5 verse 20. That may be the reason. So your brother has wronged you. Go tell it to your friends. Go tell it to the elders. No. No. It's between you and him alone. Brethren, me included, 
We've got to get a backbone. We've got to get a backbone. We want to tell and talk to everyone else but the one that's at fault. Brothers and sisters, if someone comes to you and begins to complain about how so-and-so did me wrong, the first question out of your mouth should be, have you talked with them yet? If you join in the gossip, and it's easy to do, you are in violation of a soul-damning sin. This confrontation, as we've read in Matthew chapter 18, must be alone. Between the two of you. Look back at the text. If he hears you, you know, not only do we need a backbone, we've got to stop being so thin-skinned. Take the, take the chip off our shoulder. You know, somebody just checks on you and sees why you've been missing and you get mad. Well, I ain't going back there no more. All in my business. Many are scared to build up, edify, exhort, or discipline their brother or sister because people are so touchy. People get so touchy. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Purpose in your heart that if a brother or sister has a problem with you, you'll hear them. You'll hear them and you'll work it out. You'll do whatever it takes to work it out. And if a person hears you and repents, drop it. Problem solved. Don't talk about it anymore. In fact, rejoice. That's what you should do because you've won your brother. Rejoice. Someone has been snatched from the fire. Someone has been saved from a eternity of misery. Look at verse 16. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Step two in the process. There's, a pro- there's still a problem. You have one and the other won't listen. And You know, you know what? You may be wrong. <laughs> you ever thought about that? You might be wrong. You may have a problem with somebody and you go to them and you're the one that's wrong. But it doesn't get resolved because you are wrong and the other person recognizes that fact. They're not going to apologize for something they hadn't done. But you still have a problem with it. Well, you're supposed to take two or three others with you so that everything can be established. But to establish the truth and let the other know that this, this, whatever it is is serious and not resolved, have another meeting. Take others with you. Now all can be heard. All can be discussed. Those that you take with you my advice should be spiritual. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. If there is indeed wrong, the offender should be convinced to change by everyone involved. If repentance does not happen, 
but pressure should increase. God's way is perfect if we do it. Step three in the process, verse 17. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. If a person does not repent, the issue is no longer private. False rumors stop when it's brought before the church. Everybody knows about it now. The whole church can now share in the correction. I want you to imagine just a minute. Imagine with me just a minute. Can you imagine the influence the church as a whole would have on you if you needed correction? You think about each and every person in here coming to you and saying, please, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You've got to change. You've got to do something. Think about that. If that's not love, I don't know what is. If that's not positive, there is no positive Would you listen? Would you listen? Verse 17 again. But if he refuses even to hear the church, do you, do you hear the tone of Jesus' tone even in English here? Do you hear it here? It's incredible to Jesus that one would refuse to hear the church. The church is supposed to do something. Wayne Jackson said qualified elders as leaders would certainly take the lead, but this is not an elder act behind closed doors. We have elders for a reason. But this is not an an elder act alone. The church needs to be involved. The church, not just certain Members, all the body is to try and win their brother or sister back. And if they refuse even to hear the church, look, let him be to you as a heathen and a tax collector. As a church, we must socially withdraw ourselves. We have got to get the sin out of the camp. Why? Why? This is not an act of revenge. If that's our motive, we've got the wrong motive. Our motive must be love. The reasons are corrective and they are protective. Obviously, one reason is corrective and designed to, to save the sinner as we've been talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, that the Spirit might be saved, it says. 2 Thessalonians 3, 14, to make Him ashamed, it says. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, that they might be restored. You see the reasons? But church discipline is, is for protection too. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 says, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We might say one bad apple ruins the whole bag. We must maintain the purity of the bride of Christ. We must maintain the purity of the church. We do so by following God's word. We must protect the purity and the integrity of the church before the eyes of the world. You know, society is against the church enough without having a legitimate reason to point a finger. Some people look at the church and they see that we harbor evil within our own camp. And it puts the church to shame. It makes God and and Jesus Christ, His Son, and the Holy Spirit look bad when that happens. To the outside world, our conduct should be such that the name of God and the doctrine be not blasphemed. 1 Timothy 6, verse 1. We must make sure the way of truth be not evil spoken of. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Those who walk disorderly are to be refused association by the faithful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. This does not work many times in the church because the church won't work together. We must all do our part if the ultimate withdrawal is warranted. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, turn away if need be. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, note, mark that person, have nothing to do with them. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, mark and avoid. Titus chapter 3, verse 10, have nothing to do to do with 2 John chapter excuse me 2 John 9 verses 9 through 11 don't invite them into your home 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 through 11 don't keep company or even eat with them would you turn from sin if this was about to happen to you would you if you knew this was about to happen to you Would you, I'm not talking about, don't think about anybody else. Think about yourself. I'm thinking about me. I would. I would. In being a member of the Lord's church, we are expected to live right and we are expected to discipline and be disciplined. Don't show up to work, expect to get fired. Drive fast on the highway, expect to get a ticket. We expect these things in in the world we live in. Why not in the church? Loving discipline is an important part of correct worship. Loving discipline is as important as the correct organization. Loving discipline is as important as baptism. 
It's a command of us. We might as well ignore the command to be baptized if we ignore the command to withdraw. People are scared. But if we do what I think instead of what God says, we are the worst kind of hypocrite. Ignorant. Fearful. And there's no love in fear, John said. Many times discipline is tried, is painful, and is declared unworkable. I've taught so many the gospel. I've taught so many the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've asked so many to be baptized, but only a few have. Only a few have obeyed. We as a church may have to discipline and discipline and discipline before one is saved. But that does not mean that we can just forget the command. Can a congregation that because of fear, ignorance, or self-will who utterly refuses to practice church discipline be a New Testament church? No. We cannot be who we say we are unless we practice church discipline. As a congregation, we must repent and then begin when necessary to get sin out of the camp. There are those of you inside the camp who have not been living right. You can be restored. That's that's the good part to my sandwich. Okay? You can be restored. There is hope. Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet. You see... There are those who are not in the camp because you've not been baptized. Basically, what I'm saying is, if you want to be in fellowship with the rest of us, the choice is up to you. If you want to be right with God, the invitation to make things right is afforded to you right now. Stop being negative. Be positive. Have a positive outlook on discipline. I've disciplined you tonight. I've told you the truth. Now what are you going to do with it? Are you going to obey or not? Obey. Be positive. Come right now. Together we stand.